Hello, survivors, and welcome back to another episode of InstaDeath Survivor Support Group. I'm Brian Hazard, your ever-eager explorer of all games narrative. I recently had the privilege of sitting down with Cesar Capacle, a Brazilian designer with a flair for solo and or GM-less tabletop RPGs. Most of his games are light on rules and heavy on immersion. He's an incredibly innovative designer and a talented improvisational role player. And I consider myself a super fan. Cesar is currently hosting a game design jam for games built with his Push RPG system. And to celebrate that, Cesar and I got together to design a game and record the whole process. The result of that design session was The Fires of Chitera. If you'd like to see the design process, you can head over to the YouTube channel. Just search InstaDeath Podcast on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. In this and the next episode of the podcast, Cesar and I got back together to show the game in action. What you're about to hear is a fully improvised, actual play session of the game. And I'm proud both of how the game turned out and the tale that Cesar and I wove together with it. So, relax and enjoy the fires of Chitera. So what I'm going to do first is I'm just going to... The game has a couple of spots where it adds some flavor. I'm going to read the very first part, which is the introduction to the world. And then we'll create our characters. And Cesar will guide us through that process and facilitate the actual running of a push game. And then I'll read through our mission and agenda and then Cesar again will facilitate actually getting into the gameplay itself. So here we go. The Fires of Chitera. There is magic in all of us, even the lowliest citizens of Chitera, like you. This is a surreal and absurd fairy tale kingdom where the spirit of every person, animal, and plant can speak if you'll listen. The world is burning. The Fae have been forced into hiding, and the beloved King Eirik is lost in an eternal slumber, while the evil witch of the water, Nephia, plots her ascension. The themes that you can expect in this game are magic and witchcraft, good versus evil, destiny, offering emotional support to each other and to others, and then on the more difficult side, inequity, and class struggle. Because there are potentially some uh, difficult themes and this could go in any direction, we do have some safety tool recommendations here that Cesar and I have already talked about. Lines and veils, as well as the X card. As we don't have an X card, uh, we've already talked about if, if we need to put a stop to a certain direction of play, we will simply speak freely to do so. And with that, Cesar, can you guide us through character creation? Of course. So I think it's important to uh, remind the listeners that on this very short paragraph that you read in the beginning, there is also some implications on what kinds of characters uh, are in this game, what we play. We are, by this pitch, the lowliest citizens of Chatera. Now, when you create our characters, that is, picking those uh, six traits, one of each category, 
those traits, they uh, imply some aspects of uh, the world and they might or might not be very clear to you in the moment you create. But as we do, we can discuss our interpretations of those traits. And if something is not very clear in the moment of, of creation, that is fine. We can get deeper in those definitions as we play. Mm-hmm. So you can either roll for all the traits, you can pick and choose from the lists, or you can even look at all of them and maybe that inspires you to create an altered version of one of those traits and you decide to go with your instinct and uh, create your own trait. All of those are valid ways to, to, to do it. All right. So now, how are you feeling, Brian? I like to go random when I do mine. I'm going to go random too. All right, <laughs> cool. So we have uh, the six categories you created, mm-hmm. magic family, mm-hmm. experience, mark, trinkets, and bond. Yep. Cool. So one for each. Okay. Uh, my first is magic. So I got number one. You can always offer a genuine smile. That's my magic. All right. And my magic... Oh. My magic is that I'm out of lead in my pencil. (laughs) My magic is five. You can always appreciate beautiful differences. Cool. So, yeah, that's an example of a trait that kind of speaks for itself. There's not uh, much room for interpretation. So it's for me, it's quite clear, at least, Mm -hmm. what to expect from that. But the cool thing I think that we should remind people is that putting this under the category of magic mm-hmm. implies something about the world, right? Right. Like being nice mm-hmm. is a form of magic. Yep. Now, family, I got a five. Your grandmother was a dust fae. I love it. Love it very much. All right, and I got number one. Ooh, this is a juicy one. You have a secret claim to the dreamer's throne. Ooh, (laughs) it is indeed. Do you, uh, on your head, do do you think that the dreamer's throne, it is the throne of King Aedic, or it's a different throne? Well, let me say this, uh, because a a player playing this wouldn't know my intention. So let me ask you, what do you think? I think it is. Okay. I think it is. Yeah. It it gives the sense that uh, the highest person in the uh, hierarchy of this world would sit on a dreamer's throne Mm -hmm. more than anything else. So uh, for me, it makes sense that this is uh, King Aedic's throw all right that's a juicy one for sure especially combined with being the lowliest citizens of chatera yeah right Mm -hmm. okay so i'm going for experience now mine is five again rebuilt chatera after the berry war what'd you get all right i got number four i'm an advocate for mushroom rights. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> I'm so interested in seeing how mushrooms manifest in this world. I looked through the, the, the file and I saw there you sprinkled some characters that are actual mushrooms. Yep. Yeah, in the traits and the, the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, super cool. 
Now, Mark, my mark is to your flash card from the Berry War. Oh, so the Berry War runs deep in my story. Uh-huh. Ah, man. So I bear the burns of the raging Everflames. Ooh. I like to bold it at the terms that are kind of word-building names and... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. My thought was that that way you would be able to more easily, if you get some random element, either in character creation or later in the matrix, particularly in the matrix, it's possible that you didn't have any characters who have any connection to it. So it might be possible that you could refer to what does exist in the character creation part and see little bits of lore that might prompt you a little bit more to come up with what might be going on. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Now I get my trinket. Let's see. It's a six. Replica of the crown of Eirik, the slumbering king. Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting one uh, for for my character to the yeah, like. I know, uh, right? Like, hmm, I have a secret claim and you've got a replica crown. Hmm. <laughs> Do we have a plan here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So I got a special seed for Fianna. Well, how do you interpret this little parenthetical here where it says tragic uh, like, queen? Tragic queen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, I thought it was like a, uh, a guide for how you could insert this character in the narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a like an archetype and a sort of uh, personality trait of sorts that you can, like, if you would need to uh, cross paths with this character while playing, you have, like, it's not a defined orientation on how this person is, but uh, at least some flavor to to, yep. to interpret. And uh, I, I read this one and I was wondering if Fianna mm -hmm. is... King Eirik's queen, or is somebody else? That's a good question. I don't know. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we might find out. Yeah. So you have a special seat for something that you're maybe you're supposed to deliver? Yeah, I think I think this gives me... So all of these trinkets, uh, yours was replica of the, of the crown Eirik, and it's the only mm -hmm. one that doesn't have a, a for or a from or a whatever. I was hoping that each of these implied kind of a character side quest, if you will, right? Like, um, so that there might be more avenues you could go down if you wanted to extend into like campaign play, you know? Yeah, hooks. Yep. Right. Cool. Like those. And finally, bond. So my bond is with, you went for uh, people here. So for, I have a bond with, Amir, Herod of Runo. Uh, ah, there you go. A heroic mushroom. Ooh, nice. So I do have a connection with mushrooms. What about you? So I got Kestria, emissary of Hadina, who is a elusive dust fay. Okay, maybe a relative to my granny. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> oh man okay 
you're gonna have to remind me and play some of the stuff about your character so that I, yeah. I mostly yeah focused. I didn't take notes of yours yeah, yeah, either exactly. so <laughs> we can uh, mix and match so now that we have our traits uh, besides giving names pronouns and maybe a short description we can talk about a little bit uh, of the traits we have and like this is an opportunity to try and establish connections between our traits and see if, if we can like we don't need to weave a complete story together but maybe see some potential for crossed paths maybe in the past mm -hmm. so do you have an idea for the whole picture of your character yes uh i'm going uh, some random stuff that's coming to my brain uh plus right. some of the stuff we rolled here okay so i think that my character's name is carter okay and he him pronouns um and carter is named thusly because his sort of day job, if you will, is that he is literally one who rolls carts around. <laughs> uh, I love it. He, um, he's like sort of a, a delivery errand boy, if you will, right? Like that, mm, that okay. takes things from place A to place B, that sort of thing. Um, he, he is also, uh, he is half mushroom. Oh, um, neat. And but nobody knows this about Carter. He 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 presents mostly as human. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. But he's half mushroom. Uh, his his mother is full mushroom, and uh, he is the uh, the half. I mean, not the half son. The son of uh, King Eirik. Um, okay but sort of uh, sort of a to use a, a a bad term sort of a quote-unquote bastard son right? bastard son yeah. okay yeah um so he is not acknowledged um in fact i don't think king Eirik even knows that he has a son right uh, is is your mother alive that's a good question you know what i don't know he doesn't know he hasn't seen her in um most most of his life like young childhood memories of of her and that's it right um okay super cool so you know what it was he hasn't seen her since the everflame uh touched upon his village which he was living among the mushroom people it touched upon mm. his village burned most of the village down and he hasn't seen his mother since that's why he has the burns of the everflame and i think he is carrying for Fianna some kind of mushroom spore. I'm interpreting the mm. seed here uh, that that he thinks might might convince her of the inherent equality and deserved equity of the mushroom people. I don't know how Do or you... why, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we'll find out. Yeah. Do you know Runo, the heroic mushroom? To which I am connected to Amir, the herald of Runo. Was Runo there when the the Everflame touched their village? And what a good question! You know, I think I was too young to know, but there are okay. there are stories about Runo, uh, uh, le right. legends even about Runo, including that he single-handedly extinguished the flames, and anybody who survived it, it was because of him. But I I don't know. 
Excellent. Oh, you, you were too young. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. What else? Do you, do you have anything else you want to highlight about your traits? I think that I have a deep, deep respect for Fey people. Um, right. But I don't have a whole lot of connection, except that Kestria is a human emissary of the Fey people and is a close friend of mine, perhaps because she often comes through and when she needs something delivered into town, she'll, she'll come, you know, get me and, and sort of give me work to like, Hey, why don't you come you know, pick up the stuff to bring from, from the Fey people? And it's never, it's ne because they're in hiding. It's never where they are. It's just in an empty field somewhere, <laughs> you know, how to right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. Excellent. So myself, I am twig. Twig. Love it. Twig. Pronounce he, him. And uh, I don't know why, but I feel I'm like a mouse. Mm. A mouse folk. And uh, I, 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 I know why, actually. Uh, my, so my granny was a dust fae. Mm. And uh, I'm picturing that uh, some of the fae folk in this world, they can shapeshift into animals, but if you are a descendant of them, but you lose connection mm -hmm. to the fairy magic, you kind of stuck in one mm -hmm. of those shapes. So Twig is now a mouse forever. So his connection to a previous uh, fae ancestry is very clear. Mm -hmm. But since the, the fae have been forced into hiding those this magic that he had as a uh, as a heritage is lost mm -hmm. so but this doesn't stop him from being very well spirited mm -hmm. he's always smiling seeing the the good parts of life and he really hopes to see his best fey grandmother again i think the first time i approached you was because I knew you were like running some errands for the emissary and uh, in the hopes that I could like send a message and see how she's doing and things like that. Now, about the Berry War, I was involved, but I, I'm too young to be fighting on the Berry War. I think we fled as a family and... Uh, that was the last war that the Fae folk participated in this world before... It was the, the last strike, and it was over a uh, uh, like gigantic berry fields. Mm -hmm. So uh, everybody, everybody that survived has purple stains nice. on their body up to, <laughs> to this day. And... Uh, those are the the scars I have. It's like I'm uh, my uh, fur is super purple awesome. up to this day. But I think uh, my my experiences rebuilt Chatera after the Berry War uh, is motivated mainly because I want the connection to the Fey people to be restored. Not not because I want to like go to human form. I very much enjoy being a mouse, mm -hmm. but uh, to experience what it is to share uh, magic, uh, th this kind of magic, the same magic, once again, 
because uh, we do have other kinds of magic, but the fey magic's kind of absence at this moment because they left. Now, about the crown, I have no idea. And uh, I'll leave it to the start of the mission to discover why in the world I have a replica of the crown <laughs> with me. Unless you, unless you, you have uh, an idea about that. No, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as you. Uh, okay, but yeah, I'll say I don't. I don't know you have it yet for the purposes of starting. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. It's something I keep as a secret. Now, how much do you know about? Your grandmother, are you, is she still with you? Is she, uh, I guess it says was, has she passed? I think she's alive. She is alive. Okay. Yeah. She, she is in, is she... in a hideout. Okay. So she's in hiding. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's in hiding. I, I haven't talked to her since, so, since the Berry Wars. Yep. And that's who you want to get the message to is your grandmother. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Let's. Read the quest. Okay. Mission. Thousands of nobles gather decennially, that's every 10 years, for the Laughing Blossom Festival. Whoever sits on the dreamer's throne when the last bud blooms shall rule Chitera. But the throne is missing, and you know Nephia has it. The Everflame has scorched the chuckling trees of Laughing Mountain. Peculiar weather patterns stew over the traditional site of the festival in Whispering Gardens, and Nephia's attacks on the people's citadel have grown ever bolder. Your characters, the purple mouse known as Twig and <laughs> the half-mushroom known as Carter, must ensure the festival occurs, recover the throne, and find a living tree or the kingdom and its magic will be lost forever. Yeah. Some of our goals here uh, that, that especially if we were playing a longer campaign, might come up, but, you know, we might get to tick one of these off today. Mm -hmm. uh, use your magic to awaken someone's purpose. Help an outsider find love and belonging. Find joy in a harsh truth of the human condition. Or in this case, the the Fey mouse condition, <laughs> half mushroom <laughs> condition. Um, pay a high price for a small step toward equity. Prove that none are irredeemable. Excellent. Very noble goals. All right. What do we do now? So we're ready to play. The good thing about this uh, is that we don't need to know before we start how we start we mm -hmm. just we're going to roll the matrix for a prompt mm -hmm. and this will inform a, a seat for the first scene so we don't have to decide uh, how we're involved in this beforehand mm -hmm. uh, where the adventure starts or anything like that the prompts themselves will inform an event an item a person uh, a location and uh, we decide how we're involved and the adventure starts from that uh would you like to sure. make the honor? I to, will to, roll. And I get four, two. Interesting. This is a groan becomes a roar. And, you know, just for flexibility's sake, let's give ourselves a choice. It could also have been two, four. A statue for Runo, heroic mushroom. So would you rather start in something to do with a statue for Runo 
or a groan becomes a roar. Since I have some kind of connection with Bruno, I'm feeling I'm feeling the statue a little more. All right. Yes, because your your connection is uh, Aymir, uh, a herald of Bruno, right? Yeah, Excellent. exactly. Cool. What are so, we thinking? What's going on here? I I was thinking that we could be like visiting the the place on which the the fight that Runo had against the flames mm -hmm. happened. Yep. And we might be there together with my bond, Amir. And we are contemplating this this statue for some reason. Maybe there are still marks around of the of fire, the destruction. And uh, we can't start from there. What do you think? Sounds good. Tell me a little bit about Amir before we get started. Uh... Right. I think he he is also descended from the fairies. So that's why I have an easier connection with with them. Because they also lost someone after the fae went away and they are stuck in a kind of a squirrel form let's say so the scale kept, <laughs> keeps the same yeah and uh but his uh he i'm thinking he so it's a he okay uh what's his name again amory mm -hmm. he so he uh uh worked with bruno for for a long time and uh, maybe we can declare that Bruno is deceased or gone. Is there anything that uh, says otherwise on our world building aspect? I don't think so. So right? let's just scan for Runo's name here. Runo, Runo, Runo. We got the statue for Runo. Uh, I don't see anything that contradicts the idea that Runo has passed. Okay. Right. So, are you okay with killing Runo right now? Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> From the sure. He's dead. There, yeah. there are so, some, uh, though, there are some, though, that don't accept this and believe that, that he's still out there uh, wait, right. waiting to lead the mushroom people to their rightful place of, of honor and respect. <laughs> Do you think Amor is one of those? Oh, I like that. Like, it's known. It's known that Runo has to have... Uh, has to have passed and, and can't possibly still be alive. But, but Amir is a, is a believer. He is a herald of Runo. So I, what does that mean in this context, right? Yeah, I, oh, I know, right? What if he's almost like a prophet or something like that in the sense that like he's one of the main uh, people spreading the idea that Runo will return? Right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And uh, maybe he claims that he actually gets messages mm. like reading uh, omens somewhere that he's sure that's Runo talking to him. Cool. And uh, maybe that's why he, he summoned us at uh, the statue, because he has a very important message that he uh, kind of received mm -hmm. from Runo that he wants to share with us. All right, we're going to keep it simple. Let's call this place. Is this the place, my, my childhood village? Yeah, we'll, it is. We'll just call it Mushtown. <laughs> Mushtown. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes. Easy to remember. Exactly. Uh, always a plus. So mush town. And is this statue already standing? Is it? Is it? Is it a ceremony for it being built? Is it there and somebody wants to turn it, tear it down? Hmm. 
I think maybe it's a, a I think uh, Amir is a little exalted about his devotion to Runo, so he went ahead and put together a, a, mm-hmm. a proxy of, of a statue. It's not very good, but uh, nice. it's what it is at the moment. Maybe using like uh, remains of the destruction of the fire to symbolize his effort to save the people and everything. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's there. Cool. If you squint, you can see some traces of Runo. Yes. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Right. Okay, so we need a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is... Uh, we have to answer two questions. What do you want here? And what's standing in our way? What's stopping us from getting what we want? We have some suggestions of, uh, like, themes for challenges if nothing pops up. Like a barrier, a task, can be a fight. Mm-hmm. A, a trap, a chase, a debate, a contest, a mystery, a negotiation, endurance, a threat, or a puzzle. But it is important to determine what kind of challenge it is before we start role-playing the scene. Any ideas? Yeah, I'm thinking that I have skipped out on some of my carding duties uh, mm. at the last minute to come with you. So you're the main reason we're here so i'll let you decide your purpose but i came here because i have long been worried about whether i would be able to handle coming to this place by myself mm-hmm. and you somebody who i i trust uh coming here has has given me i think the opportunity to come see something that i've long felt i need to see um with some emotional support. Excellent. I can go on board with that. Uh, We could determine that this is the main uh, obstacle here, main challenge. Maybe we are kind of, we respect Amir and everything, but uh, we know that his claims are a little exaggerated. (laughs) So the biggest reason we decided to actually come and see what he has to offer is to actually support you on this difficult moment. So uh, the message itself is not as important as this moment. It's just an excuse. Okay. What do you think? I like it. Okay. So now we frame the scene. We can pick some elements to like color the thing, like camera angles, smell, sounds, lights, and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since it's your hometown, what uh, what do we see when we zoom in in this place? All right, so Mushtown was once a bustling town uh, with all of the buildings were also mycelial, if you will, uh, a place where mushroom people had deep respect for even the buildings they lived in because they too were alive just like them. And so it's all the more disheartening to see now that while the Everflame has moved on and isn't actively burning here, uh, it still to this day smolders. And all of the, the mushroom buildings, they haven't so much burned to the ground as withered into almost like dried mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, dried mm-hmm. husks, if you will. So you might not be able to enter them because some of them are so uh, contracted, but, uh, and, they're, and they're all sort of steaming, earthy, woody, smoky and the only building that still stands in its old glory is a an old watchtower 
that I think maybe Aymaner uses as kind of his temple. Excellent. Do people still live here at, at all, or it's a, like abandoned? I think that there are a few. Um, right. It, but, you know, whereas this used to be a bustling town of thousands of mushroom folk, now there are less than less than 100 people, and they mostly kind of, you just sort of like see them like, look out of a you know a window mm -hmm. almost like an old western or something like that it's kind of like, hide the kids <laughs> yeah that kind of thing anytime somebody walks into town right i i so i think we see that as we walk we can like hear the echo of our own footsteps and uh we take glimpses of people looking through the the windows and uh hiding back mm -hmm. as we as we walk do you think the uh, the statue is right in front of this watchtower or on the the main square of the the town or something like that? How do you yeah, see this? Yeah, I think that the statue actually was built uh, on the far side away from the watchtower because it has it was built right on top of some of the most damaged areas of the town as a way of of saying that you know, um, this can all sort of rise again. And Runo, of course, will be the, the way it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So we have, uh, uh, the scene framed. Now the actions we should perform here is, uh, they are probably towards overcoming the challenge that we established since, mm -hmm. since the challenge is like surviving this emotional experience uh we could go ahead and uh narrate our actions as things that uh, carter does mm -hmm. to cope with the situation and maybe the way that twig supports him mm -hmm. during this experience as well as we could actually listen to Imer and what he has to say yeah. while you're here. But uh, yeah, uh, what's what's uh, Carter's first reaction? Uh, what do you do to like keep her standing? Yes, so I think that I'm I'm sort of walking behind Twig. I'm letting Twig lead the way, and I'm I'm for the most part I'm not allowing myself to look around at the town. I'm I'm just kind of watching your feet on the ground in front of me. Um, and I think at some point, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've been here, but at some point there's something about the ground. Maybe we walk just in front of a building and there is an entryway that I can see out of the corner of my eye that, that reminds me of something in my youth. And, and I stop in place uh and b before you notice so you've kind of walked on um, mm -hmm. and uh at some point you notice that i'm i'm no longer behind you what do you do yeah because it's so silent right mm -hmm. i like look around mm -hmm. and there you are what you're looking at so i think now whereas i i was uh staring down at the ground prior i'm now looking up in the air and the, and the building actually is like collapsed to you know just a few feet above ground level at this point mm -hmm. but i'm looking um you know well above where the building is um and i say 
that used to be my bedroom. I take a few steps closer to you and uh, I rest my paw on your shoulder and uh, I say, yeah. Man, I don't know how, you feel, how you're feeling right now, but um, it's important for you to see. You know, we maybe small, grander scheme of things, but you can now look at this and uh, from what we, we are able to do, we might work to avoid that something like that ever happens again. And uh, you might not have this, your own bedroom again, but you have a new one and we can make sure that no one else loses theirs to the flame. What I always loved about my home was that every home in Mushtown was different. There were so many different uh, structures and shapes and colors, and they were all beautiful, but they weren't just homes, they were friends. So many people in Chatera say, if these walls could talk in my bedroom, and I had many conversations. Do you want to take a, a closer look? I mean, it doesn't look very much safe, but uh, we can take a few steps closer. Maybe on the way out. Let's go see Ymir. That's all right. Yeah, we can do that. Right, so uh, I think we can take some steps in the direction of the, the watchtower. And uh, one thing that's uh, stepping out of character a little bit, one thing that's uh, very unique, I would say, about this system is that uh, rolling the dice is always an option, never an obligation. Mm -hmm. So for people watching it, you don't need to roll to overcome a challenge if you don't feel like. You only roll the dice if you are interested in, in maybe the dramatical consequences of a failure. If you want just uh, say, okay, I'll do it. Fine, no one's mm -hmm. stopping you from doing that. There is no uh, necessarily association to the risk of an action if you want to roll mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's just a matter of choice. Yeah. Do I want or not? So we can go ahead and uh, just roll when we feel like. Okay? Great. So uh, I think we see Amir uh, waving from, from the distance. And uh, we take some steps closer, and uh, he's all so excited to share the news with, with us. Uh, do you think seeing him joyful uh, brings your spirits higher a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I can't quite put my finger on why I should feel happier, but I think maybe under the surface... I'm excited to see that there are still those who are finding joy here in Mushtown. Right. Well, this is a good opportunity for us to tap into it uh, like 100% and maybe aim to fill one of the goals of the agenda, mm. which is the third one. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, this is a, a tip that I give. When you're framing your scene and decide on, deciding on your actions you take, uh, you can look back to the agenda and see how you can maybe incorporate opportunities to, to fulfill that. So uh, looking at find joy in a harsh truth of the human condition, maybe we can bring it in into the scene, uh, embed it in what, whatever uh, Aymir has to say to us and what you're feeling about it. And uh, depending on how we can't come the other side of the scene, we can take this, this little goal. How do you feel about it? Yes, I like it. I like it. Okay. So... Uh, do you have any ideas on what Aymer is, is about to share to us that uh, maybe gives a glimpse on the finding joy in the harsh truth of the human condition? Yes. Um, so, so I think uh, I have an idea for sort of the direction this might go. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk sort of abstractly and out of character for a moment, and then and then we can kind of bring it back down right. into character. Um, I think maybe Aymir is one who, being hopeful and maybe even semi-spiritual, right, because he's more connected with the idea of a return than than maybe the realities <laughs> of, of the world, right, that sort of thing. Um, he's also one that is able to see the joy in the fact that everything is temporary. So I think there's something there where he's going to help me understand that um, there is beauty in the fact that everything must end. Yeah, and I think it's very um, thematic to do the mushroom mm -hmm. kind of things, right? Because they uh, they sort of have this this role in the mm -hmm. in nature of uh, becoming like uh, the, the, the food for what's to come. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that the, the, we could go in this direction that, that he, start to, he starts giving this prophetic message and maybe uh, he looks at you and sees that you, you, your eyes are kind of lost looking at the, the destruction around. Mm -hmm. And uh, it kinds of stops what he's saying and uh, helps you through this moment. Uh, showing that whatever happened here happened for this reason and uh, if if it weren't for that we wouldn't be able to maybe see the the reality of the plans of the witch and we wouldn't uh make this first step towards uh reclaiming our rights and uh even if it lost it here it was for a larger uh, reason and something like that. And what do you think? Yeah. So how about this? How about you give me a, a taste of that at, as by being sort of Aymer's uh, mouthpiece for a second and in response right. to a question that I'm going to ask. So I think I think Twig and Carter um, arrive at the statue and... We're kind of looking at it sideways because it's it's yeah it's pretty malformed. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly this is not what Runa looked like, and if he did, he wouldn't he wouldn't be so beloved. Um, you know, right? <laughs> um, and uh, at that point, you know, Imir walks up. We see his shadow as as he walks up, and I turn to Imir and I ask, "Why are you so confident 
that Runa will return. And uh, I think he stops and looks at you as as if he was surprised. Like, in his mind, it's obvious. And uh, he says to you, look around, Carter, and tell me, what do you see here? I see death and destruction. I see the loss of family and lives. And I see people cowering in the shadows of a once great town. Yes, this is true, but it's only part of it. This is also rebirth. This is the cycle of things. And here, in the very ashes of the once thriving Mushdown, is where our revolution takes shape. And through the flames that once consumed what we have here, we grow stronger. Look at you. Look at what we are. You survived for a reason. Your purple friend survived for a reason as well. And that's why we're here. I don't need you to believe that Runo will return. I need you to believe in you, to believe that there is a reason for that. And you have a role, you have a part in all of it. And I think Carter looks around again at the town and sees things maybe a little bit differently than he was seeing things just a few moments ago. And he notices something that only somebody with mushroom spores running through their veins would be able to really notice, which is that even the most burned and dried out husks of buildings seem to be in a very subtle way, almost respirating. And they're not, they're not fully without life. And this, I think, actually turns Carter a little bit. Like, he, reluctantly, he's not necessarily a believer that Runo will return, but he hopes deep down that Runo might return and what it could mean for the possibility that his mother might return and that mushroom people might be able to achieve the equity in the world that they deserve. Very cool. Are you interested in actually listening to the message or who you think the scene has provided what we wanted from it? Um, let's go to the next scene. Okay. Cool. We'll yeah. retcon if we if we uh, if the opportunity comes up and say yeah, say yeah. what the message was then. <laughs> oh, the message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flashback. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening to part one of our play session of the Fires of Chatera. We've gotten to know a bit about our characters, Carter and Twig, and we've seen a bit of the kingdom of Chatera through their eyes. In the next episode, the plot thickens and our heroes deal with some unexpected twists and turns. So stay tuned for part two of The Fires of Chatera. 
Listen, if you like this kind of content, there are so many simple ways that you can support. Subscribe to and rate the show five stars wherever you consume podcasts. Follow and engage with us on Twitter at InstaDeathPod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and comment and like on my posts. Just search for InstaDeath Podcast on YouTube. All of these things are free to you, and they stroke my delicate ego just enough to keep me fueled up and motivated. And if you would like to support financially, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash instadeath. A special thanks to Cesar for coming on the show. You can check out his work at kapakle.itch.io. Kapakle is spelled C-A-P-A-C-L-E, kind of like capable, but with a C instead of a B. And a thousand thank yous to the patrons that helped me cover my cost to create the show. Until next time, stay adventurous and be the hero in someone's story, even and especially if it's your own. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the show, become a patron at patreon.com slash instadeath. A special thanks to our guests and to the contributors who helped make the show better than I ever could on my own. Intro music graciously provided by Jesse Johnson, a.k.a. Zenoda. Find more great music by searching Jesse Johnson or Zenoda, spelled with an X, on YouTube and most major streaming platforms. Podcast cover art generously contributed by Patrick O'Neill. You can learn more about Pat's art on his Facebook page, Pat O'Neill Art.